0: Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge Podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com. The only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher.
1: Hello once again everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, in New York City, joined this week by... The guy that I like to call the head honcho. You know him. You love him. He is the founder of Tournament Poker Edge, one of them anyway. And he's our friend, Killing Bird, Derek Tenbush. Derek, how you been, buddy?
0: I've been great, Clayton. How you been doing, man?
1: Good. Good. Thanks for making the time to uh, to come back on the podcast. I mean, TPE Nation has been clamoring for you. Although I did get a few nice notes Last week, when I kind of apologized for not having guests more often, and some people were like, no dude you're you're fine by yourself, of course we love the guests, but you know some people kind of like I think maybe I was being a little too apologetic because people thought that I was feeling bad about myself or something so they <laughs> they all give me a self esteem boost yeah. you can always tell from our listeners
0: you know <laughs> yeah, I saw a few of those tweets and i I mean I enjoy the Clayton solo episodes too, but you you know I like to jump on uh when I can and uh sometimes it's it's not as often as I'd like it to be, but it's uh, it's good to be here, for sure. You know, everybody's starting to get geared up. I mean, we're pretty darn close to the start of the World Series.
1: Yeah, dude, as we record this on uh, September 2nd, the thing starts in 28 days. The first event is the 30th, so... Yeah, that's so um, crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe, because it feels like a lifetime since we had a World Series of Poker. But I want to make sure everybody knows, you know... Derek started TPE and Derek and Mark and Casey started the the podcast. So like, you know, K- KB wants to be here guys. He just he's got a life, unlike <laughs> me. He's got <laughs> I don't
0: know, I'm starting to feel like I don't have one lately. I've been so busy. I'm like I'm like what happened to the, all the fun I used to have?
1: Yeah. Well, I just don't want people to think that I don't want you on the show every week because I, I literally let you know every time I'm going to record. Yep. I'm like, can you do it with me? Because uh, it's just more fun. Yeah. La- last
0: week almost worked out, but I think I could do it one night and you could do it the other, but we both couldn't do it the opposite. So we were kind of... Yeah, and we that's on. the way it goes.
1: I mean, scheduling might sound like an easy thing, but it's not when people are all grown up and they have actual responsibilities. So exactly. um yeah, I'm very grateful that you were able to find a little time for me tonight. And uh yeah, let's get to it. We got the WSOP. I am basically I'm Nostradamus, you know. I'm I'm you basically called it. Uh,
0: <laughs> you called it. Did you predict a firestorm that would result <laughs> in the Twitter in the poker Twitter streets?
1: <laughs> I mean I could have predicted that, but I I didn't actually, not on the podcast anyway. But yeah, as I mentioned on last week's episode, I was willing to take action if anyone thought that they would not have a vaccine mandate for this year's WSOP in Vegas. And unfortunately for me, no one took that action because just a few short hours after that podcast was actually released to the public, is when the WSOP announced that they were going to do that. Now, I had no inside information, but I just saw the writing on the wall because EDC and CES and even a few events in Vegas that don't have a three-letter abbreviation are all requiring vaccines. So that is the trend right now in Vegas. And so I knew that the WSOP would have to follow suit. And yeah, yeah. So what, what does this mean to you? I mean, last time you and I talked here on the podcast, you were saying that that you were hopefully going to come for a week or two and uh, play some events. Are you? How does this ma- uh, vaccine mandate uh, affect you?
0: Yeah. So really, the vaccine mandate aspect of things doesn't change a lot for me. Um, I mean, I've met, I've said this on my Twitch stream. I don't make it. I don't, I don't keep it secret. I'm vaccinated, so. Um, you know, that aspect of it is fine to me. And I certainly understand WSFP making that decision. Um, even if you take all of the moral, ethical stuff out of it. I mean, as a business, you have to protect yourself. And the last thing you need is, a, you know, the news of a super spreader event in your, you know, a, a, your huge event in, in Vegas. Um, so I get, you know, I get the move. And, and I think you were spot on in predicting that it would happen. Um, so yeah, so that aspect doesn't change a lot for me. What could possibly change things for me is just that, I mean, we seem to be going in the, very much the wrong direction with, with everything, um, as far as COVID goes. So I'm so I have a flight booked. I've I've set my dates. It's towards the end of the World Series, which is not the way I'd originally planned it. I originally kind of targeted the middle. Um, but in terms of being able to find the most events that I could play, um, all in sort of a short time frame, the end actually ended up working out the best. So I have a one-way flight booked with the idea that I'll just come back whenever I'm ready to come back. Um, and I haven't canceled that flight. I'm just kind of hanging out, waiting. And it's not until um, sometime early November, as I recall. I'm actually not looking at the flight at the moment, but um, so I, you know, I have time to kind of just see what the COVID landscape looks like by November it's kind of, you know, even though the World Series is close, that's kind of far Um, so I'm just going to kind of play it by ear but as of now, my my plans have not really changed
1: Well that's cool, I like the idea that you buy a one-way ticket and then you just you come back whenever you run out of money or win your bracelet and then you just buy another ticket (laughs) yeah that
0: way if we we bink something and we decide we want to keep playing we do it or you know if something comes up at home or I need to get back I can just jump on a flight and whether there's one way flights from uh, or sorry uh, direct flights from Vegas to Raleigh so it's very easy for me to just jump on a plane and be home in four hours so Um, so yeah I'm, I'm interested to see you know kind of what it does to the numbers I've seen a lot of speculation online you know that now you know People are saying, oh, well, all my friends aren't going now. But that's always that whole, like, you know, the loudest people in the room kind of thing, you know? The the one – you're seeing a lot of people say they're not going. What you're not seeing is the tens of thousands of people who just don't care and aren't aren't talking about it on Twitter, you know? Um, So I don't know. You know, I saw one person say that it's basically going to, like, equal each other out. Like, the people who, quote-unquote, boycott, which is an interesting way to describe what people are doing – um they think that'll be outweighed by the people who are like, "Oh, well if it's all vaccinated people, then I'll go." Uh which I think is a possible outcome. Um but I'll, I'll be anxious to see. I know there I think there's bets out there on the number of people in the main event. So it'll be interesting to see what this does to those numbers.
1: Yeah, I mean, every year people take action on how many players they'll get for the main event. And <laughs> this year is no exception, but I mean, if you if you put your bet in Earlier in the year, maybe thinking that COVID would be uh, a thing of the past by the fall, uh, you might be uh, on the <laughs> wrong side of that bet. I don't know. I mean, I expect the numbers to be down compared with 2019, mm-hmm. but uh, I think there'll still be plenty of action.
0: Yeah, I think if the, if if COVID were becoming a thing of the past, I, I think the numbers would have been huge this year because you have – Everybody had taken a year off basically from playing, which I mean, for somebody like me who essentially plays online to just squirrel away all my money until the main you know until the World series comes around and then I go blow it there, having an extra year to do that was really great in a weird way. Um, and you have Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies exploding as well. So I think it would have been a huge year if you didn't have the X factor or the the C factor in, in this case.
1: Yeah, the C factor. Yeah, and you know, we mentioned Bitcoin. It's at 50,000. Ethereum is raging. A lot of the other coins are, are doing quite well at the moment. But, of course, that can change it at any time, as you yeah. know. Hopefully not as by anyone, November. <laughs> yeah, as anyone who's ever invested in cryptocurrency knows, it's a pretty volatile marketplace. So who knows what it will be next month. But, yeah, yeah right now things are, are soaring. Um, we also have a lot of stimulus payments that have gone out. True. So maybe some people would take some of that money and gamble with it, but yeah, I think it will be tempered. Uh, I can tell you from having been in Vegas, as I mentioned here on the podcast, uh, I was there one day playing with no mask, and then the next day they made me put on a mask. And I can tell you, uh, just the fun factor of playing poker when you can't see your opponent's faces, for me, it's it's a big difference, mm-hmm. and just the you know the enjoyment level, for me, is a little bit lower. That said, I still plan to play a full schedule. I mean, uh, I'm vaccinated. I'm, I don't make a secret about that either. Uh, I, I I don't get political, as you know, on the podcast or anything, so I'm not going to berate anyone who's not vaccinated, <laughs> but I am vaccinated. Okay, so uh, – but, yeah, I've looked at the schedule, and it looks like uh, i picked out quite a few tournaments to play. Uh, and the schedule for Wynn and Venetian – are now available online as well. So I've picked out some pretty good ones. My favorite thing of all is actually, as I've mentioned so many times, the Mystery Bounty. Now, this was an idea that the WSOP organizers had prior to the cancellation of the 2020 live World Series in Vegas. So Wynn has basically stolen the idea because this the schedule came out for the Rio this year and there's no mystery bounty on there and you know the powers that be said that basically they thought there were some glitches and how they would be able to um, you know just do it logistically and make sure there's no cheating with regard to the the mysterious bounties but in the meantime there's a two million dollar guarantee on the win mystery bounty which is taking place uh, October 12th and 13th. It's a $2,200 buy-in and uh, a $2 million guarantee, so they're obviously expecting a large field, so I'll be playing that for sure.
0: And leave it to the wind to just do everything right, like they always do. (laughs) Like Everybody raves about how great of a, of a, a poker room the wind runs, and this is just another great example. They heard people saying they wanted the Mystery Bounty, so they gave it to them.
1: Yeah, you know, they just give the players what the players want and you know that means lower rake than a lot of the other casinos, more variety of games, uh, you know, comfortable chairs, anything you want to drink. It's just a really great place to play poker. So uh, I'm excited for that. They also have, uh, you know, some other really good events at the Win. There's a three million dollar guarantee uh, main event with I think a three K price point. So I'll definitely be playing that as well. And then you know I picked out some. WSOP events. I'm going to do the. uh, I'm looking forward to the Millionaire Maker. I always loved the Millionaire Maker, and this year the Millionaire Maker has the distinction of being the only WSOP tournament with any type of guarantee at all.
0: Oh, good catch! (laughs) I didn't realize that. Interesting. I guess. I mean, I guess they kind of had to do that, huh? Yeah, but it's hard to
1: guaranteeing win is guaranteeing.
0: that's That's true. Yeah, I I, uh, I had not thought about that, but I, I guess with the you know the questions surrounding how many people will will be there, it's it's a little bit difficult. But obviously, some casinos have felt comfortable enough to.
1: Yeah, well, I was talking to one of the suits at Venetian when I was there over the summer, and he basically said, look, we're going to have some kind of tournament series every day for the rest of the year, and this was in July and they've they've been doing that. I mean, the minute one series ended, the very next day they started another series. <laughs>
0: <laughs> clearly they're so, uh yeah, clearly they're hitting their numbers if they're going to keep doing it.
1: Yeah, and so they have a feel for the market. Um they were one of the first casinos to get back into tournaments after COVID, and uh yeah, so Venetian seems to have a pretty good handle on predicting how many people will be playing. And if they miss one of these guarantees, by a few thousand dollars, I really don't think they're going to be crying about it or sweating it at all. Yeah. So don't worry about the Venetian; they're fine.
0: I so I um I basically scheduled mine. I I pulled up the schedule and basically I have I get in with the option to play the main event. I'll probably only do that if I end up satellite satelliteing in somewhere online, or just having a big score that I'll call a satellite. Um, But then you get all kinds of fun tournaments after that, which is why I ended up kind of picking that date, because you have, like, the little one-for-one drop, which is always cool to play, because I like charity as much as the next guy. Um, The Crazy Eights. uh, There's a uh, a 1500 no-limit freeze-out. There's a Super Turbo. There's the 50 stack, which is basically just like a... You start with 50k and chips real deep, which would be kind of fun. Uh, And then there's the Closer at the end, plus a couple other smaller, like, 1500s and stuff in there. So... Um, that's kind of the kind of stuff I'm targeting, uh,
1: but we'll just kind of see how much how how long we end up actually staying in town. Um, you know, in the past, the Crazy Eights tournament had a guarantee. I think of uh, eight hundred eighty-eight thousand eight eighty-eight for
0: first. Yeah, I believe that's. Yeah, I think you're right about that.
1: Are they not doing that this year? I mean, I just saw Kev Math, our friend Kevin Mathers, had tweeted that the only tournament with a guarantee was the Millionaire Maker.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm actually looking at the structure sheet right now. It does guarantee 888, 888 for first, but maybe that means they don't guarantee the entire prize pool. Oh, yeah. Okay. There could be a a steeper drop-off after first, potentially. So maybe that
1: was the tweet. You know, I might be misquoting him. Maybe none of them have a guaranteed prize pool, but like the Millionaire Maker and the Crazy Eights have a guaranteed first place prize. Yeah. But... Derek, as you know, I think all tournaments should be winner-take-all anyway, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> I think um,
0: the person who bubbles should get all the money because that's usually where I'm at. So ah,
1: That's great. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine playing the Crazy Eights and they only get like a million dollars in buy-ins? So like first prize is 888000 and then second prize is like 10k. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd
0: be a heck of a heads-up. I'm so yeah. I'm I'm really interested uh well not interested is the wrong word I guess. I'm um anxious to find out how I feel playing in a mask cuz I have not done it yet. I have not played a hand well I played in a in a live cash game recently where masks were not required. Um but beyond that I've not played in a mask. So I'm kind of curious to see how that is for 12 hours. Uh I you know, obviously you get breaks, you can go outside, take it off and stuff, but um, I'm curious to see. Like, I might get to Vegas, play my first tournament, and go, oh hell no, and jump on the plane and fly home.
1: Yeah, you very well could. I mean, it just really depends. I guess each individual has, you know, I guess a, a threshold for how they feel about masks and how much they hate them. I don't think anyone really likes wearing a mask, but some people are more fine with it or more comfortable breathing through a cloth. Than others. I mean, I really do not enjoy that at all. There is some speculation. Now, I'm not taking action on this one, guys, so don't DM me (laughs) with your bets. But uh, the governor of the state of Nevada did say that they might lift the mask mandate for events in which every attendee is vaccinated.
0: Oh, that'd be interesting.
1: So that would kind of depend. Like, do the dealers have to be vaccinated? Do do the waitresses have to... Like, does every single person in the room have to be vaccinated in order for that to happen? That remains to be seen. But I know a lot of people um, that I've talked to in the poker community are hopeful that that will happen. And then those who still wish to wear a mask in a room full of vaccinated people can, but that they don't have to. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of conflicting information out there about the science and, you know, some people don't think masks work and some people think that vaccinated people can't spread the virus. and you know, There's just a lot of – for every article I can find that says one thing, I find another article that says another. So yeah. as has been the case for the last 10 years or so, I never know what to believe anymore, Derek.
0: I know. I'm the same way. I, I keep kind of um, – I've, you know, with, on my Twitch stream – people ask me all the time are you going to the world series what do you think and i've had this conversation about masks and i always find myself trying to like justify what i'm saying or qualify what i'm saying because i'll be like i'll say something like i i really don't love the idea of having to sit at a table for 12 hours with a mask on and and then i'm like oh wait now they're gonna think i'm like an anti-masker guys (laughs) i want you guys to know i'm not against masks I'm perfectly fine with them requiring people to wear them. I'm just saying, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> so I find myself constantly trying to explain myself, and uh, it's pretty much impossible to do, because you just end up with people going, oh, why, what do you have against masks? And I'm like, nothing. They're just not that comfortable.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, don't you care about other people? It, it, it can get... You can go down a pretty ugly rabbit hole pretty quickly with that. As um, Alex Foxen and... and his lovely uh, (laughs) Kristen Bicknell have uh, learned as I don't know if you've seen their tweets, but they're both pretty diehard um, anti-vax, anti-mask, anti-everything as it relates to COVID. Uh, And they've been catching quite a bit of flack on Twitter. I'm not sure if that was the particular uh, maelstrom that you were referring to earlier.
0: (laughs) It was definitely one of them. I started reading and, you know, I opened up, like, the the first tweet to sort of see what people were saying. And it was just hundreds of replies. And I started reading. <laughs> and the next thing I know, like, an hour had gone by. And I'm just reading tweets of people arguing about science and masks and vaccines and the government and microchips and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I have to stop reading this right now. And I think I switched over to TikTok for some more enjoyable content.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of TikTok. Because if you don't like it, you can just look at something else. I find myself
0: reading that a lot more than I uh, spend reading Twitter these days because it's just been a little too painful lately to to read Twitter.
1: Yeah, yeah, Twitter can get a little toxic. Now, getting back to this schedule here, if you just wanted to play the main event but you're not sure you want to buy in, have you considered selling action? I'm sure a lot of our listeners and definitely a lot of your Twitch fans and viewers would would certainly uh, pony up to have a piece of the bird.
0: Yeah, I I would almost certainly sell some. I've always sold... I think I've played the main three times now. I've always sold action in the past, and I would probably do that. I'd probably sell less this time, um, just because, you know, Bitcoin and whatnot. I <laughs> I have a little more expendable income for poker these days. Um, but I would probably still sell some. It would just have to be very last minute, because I wouldn't... I don't, I don't think I'll know if I'm playing it until, like... You know, a week before or something. But um, I will certainly, I will give you the hot news if I decide to play and sell some action, and uh, you can share it with the listeners, or I'll jump on the episode that week.
1: Yeah, for sure, that would be cool. I mean, I think people want to know. Uh, I, I will not be selling action. I usually just do like a, a swap with a few of our friends, many of whom have been guests <laughs> on, on the podcast. You know, three percent of me, three percent of you. I do a little bit of that, a little bit of this, uh, but I'm not too into being staked and being backed and stuff. I'd rather just play on my own dime. When I have tried uh, having backers before, we may have talked about this on the podcast, but I don't play my best because I'm worried about like, well, how am I going to explain this to my backer if I <laughs> if I bluff yeah. here and I don't it doesn't get through and I have to tell him, well, I had Jack high, but I put all the chips in and somebody <laughs> called. <laughs> Yeah, that would it
0: would go more against your style. See, I'm always gonna go out with a good hand because I'm such a nit. So I can at least be like, "Hi, oh, Ace King, man, lost the flip to Queens."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the much easier to explain to people.
0: Of course, yeah, I you know but... I, I folded down to six big blinds before I
1: did it, but once I did,
0: I had a good hand.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, definitely nitty. Uh, so I've played the main event nine times. And I've only cashed twice, which I guess is, you know, pretty good. But the main thing is that when I've cashed, I've been in the top 100 both times.
0: Yeah, see, that's the key right there. Like, you, you always talk about it. Like, you go for the win, so you're going to probably not cash it as often. But when you do, you're going to make deeper runs than the average player.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that I made ICM mistakes in at least two of the other. Like in in two of the ones where I didn't cash, I made it almost into the money, and probably just should have, definitely could have, and probably should have just folded until after the bubble. But you know, I, as as everyone knows about me, one of my one of the holes, if you will, in my game is that I just don't pay enough attention to ICM because honestly. Like you, you play for three days and then your prize is like five thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, I think the payout for the main cash in the main event for the last several years has been fifteen thousand. I, I don't want to sound like I think I'm some kind of baller, but it's just that's a lot of work for five thousand dollars. Yeah,
0: it's not the greatest hourly in the, at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, and and it's just you know when all, that's all those huge prizes up top, I'd just rather play for those. But yeah, I would probably take that idea a little bit too far if I err I err on the side of uh, being more likely to bubble <laughs> so, but yeah that's never a fun day the worst day of the year that's one of the old poker cliches the worst day of the year is the day you bust out of the main event but you know for some the worst day of the year might be the day they get disqualified for testing positive for a virus
0: yeah is that so that is still on the table correct
1: yeah I mean you have to be vaccinated. You have to be masked, and they still have, although they did soften the language, they basically have uh, the right to uh, deny you entry into any tournament and uh, disqualify you from any tournament um, if you have COVID.
0: And unfortunately, I think the only thing that means is that people aren't going to disclose if they test positive for COVID. Like, if, yes, if they anything, have. they'll just stay home and sit out of the tournament and min cash or whatever and then collect their money. But. It would almost be better if they said you got your buy-in back or something. I don't know how I don't know how the finances of that would work, but then at least somebody would go. You know, somebody might have the wherewithal to say, okay, I probably shouldn't go play. I have COVID. I'm just gonna let them know and take my money back. But what do you do if you have three big blinds and then you say you have COVID (laughs) because you you don't think you're gonna cash?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. And again, like you know, this is uncharted territory for all of us this will be the first COVID live WSOP, and so these guys, you know, they've got to have all that figured out. Like, are you going to make me prove that I have it? Or if I say I have it, do I get the day off from work, you know? it's (laughs) I'm not really sure how that's all going to work. It should be uh, interesting. Luckily for me, I'm going to skip the first few days. I'm not going to play the reunion. I'm going to play a full schedule, but I can't actually go. I have some comedy stuff I have to do. So I'm not actually going to be out there until the second week. So hopefully by then, some of the uh, you know logistical nightmares will have been solved, and then I can just show up with my vaccine card and my player's card and my money and play. Yeah. So
0: when the schedule first came out, Mark and I talked about dates to go out and stuff, and we both agreed we were skipping the reunion for basically all the reasons you just said. You know, you're going to have some logistical nightmares in terms of. I mean that you know. They're pretty good, though. I mean, somebody was like, oh, now I have to show, like, how much time is it going to take to show my vaccine card? But you already have to show two cards. I mean, you have to show your license or passport, and you have to show your Harris card. So is it that hard to show one more card? Probably not, but I just, I still just kind of anticipate that being sort of this year's Colossus, where there's lines of hundreds of people, and, you know, taking two hours to register, and I'm like, yeah, those sound like good ones to skip, but we'll wait until it's a well-oiled machine.
1: Yeah, by then they should have their act together and uh, any snags will have been fixed. I remember the first year they did the, um, where you could register on the app and it was kind of like a mess for a couple of days, but then they got it working, so yeah. I figure, or almost like the Obamacare website. Remember it crashed and then Yeah. It, <laughs>
0: yeah. The one risk I run by by going out late, uh, and I'll knock on wood here for all of us, is if something happens and they end up canceling some you know the end of it halfway through or something I risk missing the entire thing Um, but that's just going to have to be the way it works out I guess
1: yeah so let us know all of you listeners let us know what your plans are Um, are you somehow dissuaded by the uh, vaccine mandate are you so turned off by the idea of, of playing with a mask that you're just going to skip it and maybe just play some of the online events I've noticed that when I play online, it doesn't matter whether I have a vaccine or a mask. So that's one advantage <laughs> to playing online. Poker. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One thing right. that uh, Mark and I actually talked about uh, recently was as we were debating all of this stuff, I was like, you know, what we could do. We could just go get a house uh, with a bunch of buddies. And we'll just not go to the casino and we'll just play all the online events and maybe we'll play some home games at night. We'll you know, we'll buy a cheap poker table and, and play cards together and we don't have to worry about any of it. Uh which is still an option.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. I'll come over. that would be fun. Yeah.
0: It'll be, be like awesome. the uh, it'll be like the alternative to the World Series, except it'll be like
1: eight of us. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like the original, the first ever main event, I yeah. think, was nine players. So, yeah, so lots
0: I, lots to be determined. But, uh, I, I mean, either way, regardless of, of what my plans end up being, I'm excited for it to get started, uh, in not having it for a year. And, yeah, you know, we had some online events and stuff like that. But as we all, I think, all agree, it's not quite the same. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing Norman and Lon's voices again. And uh, it should be a good time.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. It's weird not being able to call it summer camp because yeah. it's fall camp.
0: But <laughs> And you like the heat, so that's kind of a bummer for you.
1: No, I really do. But one cool thing is this year there will be a November 9.
0: Oh, good point. I didn't even think about that. It's back. The
1: November <laughs> 9 back. experiment
0: is back. <laughs> the one thing we didn't so, talk about, and and this was kind of discussed on uh, on Twitter a lot too, so does this, does all of these... COVID factors make the World Series tougher or softer this year?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I think it'll be a little tougher. Yeah. Because the players that are going to be there have to go through so many hoops. You know, having to jump through that many hoops is probably going to keep out some of the, let's say, casual weekend warrior types. Mm Mm-hmm that might otherwise participate, especially in some of the weekend events like the Monster Stack and the Millionaire Maker, where you usually get you know pretty strong, I guess you could say recreational contingent. And I just don't know what those numbers will be like this time around if you have to show your vaccine card and you have to wear a mask the whole time and, and everything else. I don't know what impact that's going to have, but if I had to guess, I would say that there might just be like a greater percentage of pros than usual. What do you think?
0: I, yeah, I think you're probably right. I don't know that it'll be a dramatically tougher field, but I just think in general it'll be slightly tougher. Um, the people who who are willing to jump through those hoops are the people who play professionally, who you know make their living from from poker and have not been able to do it in the same way that they've done it in the past for the last two years, basically. Um, And, and, you know, they're going to make all those sacrifices and and jump through all those hoops to to play as many of these events as they can. I still think... I mean, you know, as I randomly look at the schedule here, I mean, there's a $600 no-limit tournament on October 4th. still going to be a soft tournament at the end of the day.
1: Um, Oh, yeah. uh,
0: You know, but are you going to run into, you know, a few more grinders and a a few less weekend warriors? Probably. Um, And, you know, a lot of those people might go play like you said, the Wynn, the Venetian, any of these other, you know, multitude of, of casinos they can go play at. They might just feel more comfortable going and playing there and, and they have great tournaments and great guarantees and so, you know, maybe those are maybe those are the tournaments to hit up this well, I was gonna say this summer, uh, this fall. <laughs> is all I these ones right? really it's really
1: hard not to say summer. I know. But yeah, I mean the, the nightmare scenario for the World Series is that uh, they end up losing so many players to those other guaranteed events that they end up having just really small fields for all these bracelet events. And then for the rest of your life, if you won a bracelet in 2021, people will be like, oh yeah, but that was... That was... Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean?
0: yeah. Like, every, like everything during COVID, there'll be an asterisk next, next to it.
1: Yeah, but that's, <laughs> put that asterisk there and, and all that. But yeah, I mean, it could end up being uh, a great October for the win and the Venetian if the WSOP gets some bad press up front on the other hand if that first event the reunion ends up being you know a big success then it might get more people excited who are kind of on the fence about whether they even want to make the trip
0: especially if things go smoothly in ter- you know in terms of logistics but also just you know no outbreaks no you know no bad covid news in general i mean if you get if you get like a third of the way through it or something and everything's just running perfectly smooth and safe and healthy you might see people go you know i wasn't going to go but what the heck
1: everything seems to be going good let's head to vegas well ever since the first year i have ever went to the wsop i've gone every year since so i can only imagine if i had made some sort of decision like some sort of, you know, smart and healthy decision, trying to take care of myself. Like, oh, I don't want to be exposed to a virus, so I'm just going to stay home this year, and I'll, I'll get them next time. <laughs> a- after three events and looking at my Twitter feed, I would be like, all right, let me book a flight. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, like we said earlier, kind of regardless of what happens at the, the table, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of interesting storylines. Just throughout the fall you know all these other tournaments going on what you know what do those numbers look like what kind of uh, you know logistical nightmares happen at, at the Rio um, it'll be it'll be fun to follow along and I'm also interested to see how many people who are adamantly not going right now we end up seeing at the World Series
1: they're gonna have fomo and, and book of flight that's what I would do so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just I've already admitted to myself I can't let this happen without being a part of it so.
0: I mean I've seen a couple and I can't think of who and I might not name them anyway just out of respect for whatever um, but I've definitely seen a couple people tweet out and say well I wasn't vaccinated and I wasn't going to get vaccinated but I just got my first shot so I can go to the World Series so it's happening to some people You know, some people are making that change of, change of heart based on this so um, will, will we see any of the diehard people do it like you said after they get FOMO and be like Damn it! I'm going to the World Series.
1: Yeah, well, if they're not vaxxed by then, though, they're they're it's going to be too late because it takes a while for everything yeah, to kick in. That's right?
0: a good point because it's basically a month. I mean, you got first shot, second shot, and then you got to wait 14 days after the second, right? So
1: <laughs> we tried so many tricks to get people vaccinated. Like, you know, they were giving away free donuts. I think somebody was doing free beer. Lottery (laughs) tickets, like all kinds of stuff. Maybe this will be the thing that gets somebody like, okay, (laughs) fine, I'll get the shot.
0: (laughs) They should give away a main event buy-in to one person.
1: (laughs) I love it. Of all the people who get vaccinated at the Rio, one of them gets a a free buy-in to the main event. (laughs) Maybe
0: a TPE membership.
1: I'll have to think about that. I love it. I mean, if the donuts didn't work, none of this other stuff will. (laughs) That's true. Well, one thing that's changed recently, Derek, I think this is kind of cool is uh, we now have a sponsor, which is awesome. We're big time now. Yeah, Liquid Death. I mean, Liquid Death. I, if you were going to think of what is in this can, it says on the outside, Liquid Death. I'll give you 50 guesses what's inside the can. Would you ever come up with pure mountain spring water? No,
0: I would have said alcohol, energy drink. I would have named a million other things. Hard coffee. Uh, yeah, a ton of other things before I ever got to
1: water So I love this company They have a great sense of humor I love that they named Just all it is is H2O From the Mountain Spring And it's delicious, by the way It's the best water I've ever tasted They just call it Liquid Death So you're walking around with your can of Liquid Death And people think, man, that guy's a, a real badass You know, and they have no idea You're just drinking water
0: Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be taking mine to the World Series with me This fall for sure
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. And what I really like about it is, you know, people know that plastic is really bad for the environment. And a lot of us feel good about ourselves when we put our empty plastic water bottle in the recycling bin. But I think what a lot of people might not realize is that most of that quote-unquote recycled plastic ends up going into the landfill because nobody makes money from recycling plastic. But aluminum, on the other hand infinitely recyclable so that's what we should have been drinking our water out of all along
0: yeah and i'm a nerd because i know this but uh it's also much easier to transport aluminum because it's very light so compared to like you'll see a lot of beer manufacturers going over to cans because it's lighter to transport which means less fuel which means it's uh better for the environment so i love it
1: well, you're you're not just a nerd, but you're also in the alcohol business, so True. you should know <laughs> But yeah, okay, it's fine. It's a little bit nerdy. So <laughs> um, right now they have free shipping at liquiddeath.com on all of their cool merchandise, and it is like really cool stuff. I mean, it kind of reminds me of like something like somebody who drives a Harley might wear. You know, it's like just like really cool, like tough guy. It looks like you're a real tough guy, you know. And uh, I I love that sense of humor of calling it Liquid Death. Um, But, yeah, there's free shipping on all their merchandise. And if you buy uh, more than two cases of this amazing spring water that's not in a plastic bottle but rather in a fully recyclable aluminum can, uh, there's free shipping on that as well. So just check out liquiddeath.com. So let's do some strategy. Did you bring uh, a hand since we're all in World Series of Poker mode? Let's do some No Limit Hold'em here. I
0: did. Yeah, so I have a hand here. It comes from uh, the 1650-10K on America's Card Room. Uh, And we are currently at 2500-5K. And this is uh, actually on the bubble, or very very close to the bubble. Just a couple people from the money. Um, So that could play uh, a factor in this hand. Um, Like I said, we're in the big blind. We have 4-5 offsuit. And it folds around to the button, who has 22 big blinds to start the hand and he limps in, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Now, I did mention we're on the bubble. The small blind has four big blinds here, so I don't know if that is a factor and why the button would be limping in a spot like
1: this. Um, What do you think? Well, yeah, it could be that he just is trying to trap the small blind, maybe want to make sure that he doesn't lose you guys. People tend to play so tight on the bubble as... They actually should. Uh, so maybe he's thinking he might have a better chance of of getting action. Like he, like if he has a really strong hand, it might make sense to limp here and hope that either the small blind calls or shoves, and then he could play, you know, for for more of a pot. I guess that's possible. I mean, honestly, with 22 big blinds, I don't have much of a limping range. I don't know about you. I, I'm not a I'm not a big limper uh, on the button. I just think. I haven't really developed that part of my game yet. I understand, Like especially a few years ago, you were seeing a lot of this where players knew like if they raised and got 3-bet that they would have to fold, but they wanted to play more hands so they would limp with some of those hands as well as some of their strongest hands mm-hmm. so that it wouldn't be too exploitable. So like you might limp with aces and then also hands like jack-nine suited, right? So you, you don't want to... You don't want to have to raise fold with Jack-9 suited. You want to see a flop. So then you can limp with that. But then in order to protect that range, you also have to limp with some really strong hands, too. So that could be what this player is doing. But honestly, that's something we saw a lot more a few years ago. I'm not really sure how many uh, players that are you know, studying the game now are, are doing that. But that was a thing for a while. Do you remember that, or am I making that up? No, yeah, I definitely remember that. In fact, I
0: remember it being something that uh, Mark and Ben, my coaches, then uh, were trying to get me to do a little bit more of and you know sort of explore that strategy. Uh, I never listened, <laughs> so so I also don't have much of a a limping range, uh, particularly in spots like this. Um, but I mean, the one thing I will say is it certainly camouflages whatever he has, because I could not begin to really guess too much about what somebody would be limping in this spot.
1: Yeah, now there are certain stacks when you're heads up like if your heads up for a bracelet at certain stack depths it makes sense to limp some or all of your range from the button which is the small blind heads up but you know that's that's a whole different conversation this is a very, very different situation yeah. but the uh yeah the limp i would i would be unless i really had a read on this guy i would be uh i I would think that it it could be a, a mix, like some very strong hands and then some of those marginal hands that he doesn't want to have to raise fold.
0: Yeah, that could definitely make sense. I assume we can both agree that it's not enough of an indicator of some weak hands that we want to be jamming four or five offsuit here over his limp.
1: Yeah, so the small blind actually folded, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, and so now it's on us against this limper. Maybe it, maybe a raise would work, but I, I'll just see a flop. 5-4 is a pretty fun hand to to see a flop with, so let's just see what happens.
0: I like it. So, yeah, we do indeed check, and uh, we get a flop of three seven nine, two 2 hearts. Uh, we do not have a heart in our hand, so we flop a gutter. Okay. Um so, we opt to check, which I think is probably pretty standard. I, uh, Maybe some people would lead here sometimes, but I think I'm so confused about the button's range that I prefer to just check and see what he does.
1: Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, I, I think putting out a little bet that is sometimes just going to take it down is great when you just have, you know, that little gut shot that's not even to the nuts it's fine to bluff with hands like that because if you bet and get raised it's not really the end of the world and you know if he if he makes a little bet you're probably gonna call it anyway mm-hmm. so maybe it does make sense to go ahead and make that same bet yourself the only time it hurts you is when he was planning to check behind but he calls
0: right yeah and I, I don't know if this if there's a good reasoning behind this but I kind of feel like I might lead out more often here if I had a heart to go along with my gutter. Uh, so like some backdoor action plus removing hearts from his range. Um, but I still think I'm... I, I Certainly in, in game, I'm, I think I'm going to check here almost all the time.
1: Yeah, I like checking here, but yeah, I also agree that if we have a heart, there's just more cards we can barrel on the turn. You'll pick up equity more often on 4th Street. When you have a heart in your hand, although I'm not sure how proud of your equity you're going to be when you have the five high flush draw. (laughs) Yeah. But But it does give you a few more barrels, I guess. But yeah, you know, on balance, I think checking is fine. Cool. So we
0: do check, and he bets five thousand, which is the minimum. So five k into sixteen point eight k. So we're getting almost four and a half to one. Yeah. And how much do
1: we have behind now?
0: Uh, we have 17, we started with 17 bigs behind and we obviously checked the flop. So yeah, so we still have 17
1: bigs. Alright, so getting almost 4.5 to 1 and we still have, he's betting 5,000, we've got like another what, another 70 some thousand in our stack, right? So we'll we'll still
0: have 16 bigs after we call this bet.
1: Yeah, so I think we can call, you know, especially if some of his range is going to include some of those big pairs that i mentioned before i think he's going to have a tough time getting away from them if we happen to get lucky and hit our magical 6 or whatever yeah um it's pretty speculative but as i said last week sometimes when they give me a good price i just take it yeah you know take the price why not
0: yeah i think that's fair uh so we do decide to call And so now there's 26.8k in the middle, and we see the two of hearts on the turn. So now our gutter becomes an open-ender, but there are three hearts on the board now. Okay, now,
1: when you check call on the flop, how many flush draws do you have? Probably not too many, right?
0: Yeah, probably not, because I think think most of the time when I have a flush draw here, I'm probably just... I, at least raise getting it in, if not just piling in his face.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's totally fine to check shove with any flush draw on that flop. By the time he bets that 5K, there's 20-some thousand in the middle, and then you only having 70-some behind, I think check shove is the play with all your flush draws, I I believe. Yeah, I So, agree. if he's a decent player, which... Really don't know whether he is or not limping the button. I'm not sure; could go either way on this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, he probably knows that you don't have a flush, too.
0: Yeah, I think you're. Right. I think he can pretty much eliminate flushes from my. Yeah, so
1: then he should have a nuts advantage here.
0: Yep, I would agree. And it's so my my thinking is to check this card, and then reevaluate. Based on his bet size. So like if there's 26.8k out there, if he bets pretty big, like say he bets like 20, or maybe like 18 or 19, I think we can probably just get away.
1: Yeah, um, agree. But if he checks, yeah.
0: if he checks back, we have lots of options on the
1: river. Obviously. Yeah, I mean we we're definitely hoping for a check here. It's nice to make a plan for all possible or most likely rivers. So obviously it would be great to hit our straight, and we're just going to fade. The possibility that he made the nuts on the turn and then checked behind, right? Yeah. So, assuming he checks this card on 4th Street, um, just theoretically, if he does that, we can pretty much say he does not have a flush. So, then really, neither one of us has a flush when he checks the turn. Yep. But if another heart comes off on the end, you have some real bluffing possibilities because for him to not bluff, a flush draw on the turn and having continuation bet on the flop would be unusual given the fact that you've already basically announced you don't have that flush. Right. So if he checks the turn, I think that we can bluff every heart on the end. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh,
0: 100%. And the nice thing is, is that we're not even really you know, we're on the bubbles, but we're not putting our tournament life at risk by doing so. You know, when he checks back there's 26K in the middle. I can bet 14 or whatever, and just fold if he raises. Or maybe he calls yeah, us or whatever. Um, or maybe maybe we do a little bit bigger sizing since we are bluffing, uh, and we don't want to get called by, like, you know, Ace-9 or something. But, um, oh, he probably still calls that anyway. But, um, yeah, I, so I think we have a lot of options based on what his action
1: is. Yeah, no, that's worth exploring. I mean, he needs to have some bluff catchers in his range. So, Especially once he checks behind us on fourth street. If if we check this turn and he checks back and another heart comes off, putting four hearts on the board, uh how big do we need to bet to get him off of our hands that we're bluffing, right? I don't think we need to put in a lot at all. If we're trying to get him to fold when he has something like Queen Jack with mm-hmm. no heart, right? Yeah. So then, like, really just even a pretty small bet should get it done all the time.
0: Yeah, because so, I, I don't even think he's going to be able to pick us off much with, like, Ace-King or Ace-High, because I think he would have raised that hand. In, 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 al- almost all his Aces he probably would have raised pre. So I think we could even eliminate those. So, yeah, we're really just trying to get, like, like you said, Queen-Jack, maybe King-10, like those kind of hands. Uh, we're just trying to get those to fold.
1: Yeah, and you know, we're certainly getting called by top pair. Like if he has ace nine, even if we pot it on the on the river, he's probably going to have to call us even when he doesn't have a heart. Mm-hmm. If he still has top pair on the river, I think that that's just got to be in his bluff catching range. He can't just uh he, he can't just fold everything just because a heart comes. But that said, we're trying like our bluff target, if you will, is really just his two high cards kind of hands. And I think he should have a lot. Maybe like jack-10, queen-jack, queen-10, king-10. Like all those hands. And possibly some ace-king.
0: Yeah, if if he was trapping pre, he could have hands like that.
1: Yeah, but we can discount that a a little bit. But certainly he doesn't have a heart. If he picks up a flush draw with ace-king, or king-queen, or queen-jack on the turn, I mean, I think everybody bets there.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I certainly would in his spot.
1: I mean, you have shown no strength whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> all you've done uh, is check, tree flop check the flop, and now check the turn.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> right? So, all that is a moot point, uh, because he actually does bet, but he only bets 5k. Now, I am always suspicious of these min-bet, min-bet lines. And sometimes it gets me in trouble because I I tend to call bullshit and I raise or I shove or I do whatever. And they accomplished what they were trying to accomplish by making these squirrely little min bets. Um, but a lot of times it's also just draws uh, or really weak hands like fives or something on this particular board. You know, where he's just he's just trying to, like, get me to fool, but he doesn't really want to commit a lot of chips... Um, I don't know. What do you What do you think when you see these kind of like weird? Uh, so yeah. So he bet five K on the flop. He bets five K on the turn into a twenty seven K pot.
1: Okay. So yeah, I want to answer your question, but first let me just review this hand because we talked a lot about some theoretical stuff that never happened. True. <laughs> so, uh, the villain limps in on the button pre flop and the small blind folds. were on the bubble of a sixteen dollar ACR tournament and. KB is in the big blind holding 5-4 offsuit. The flop came 9-7 Trey, and with about 16K in the middle, uh, we checked our gut shot and called a min bet of 5K. And then on the turn came another heart, the deuce of hearts. So the board is 9-7 Trey deuce uh, with three hearts. And now we check, and he again bets 5K, the exact same amount that he bet on the flop. And this time he bet 5K into, what, like 26? So it's a very small bet offering us 6 to 1 on a call. The problem is we still just have a gut shot. And so the question is, what do we make of this same bet? Sometimes when you play live, Derek, you probably heard guys do this, they'll literally say out loud, same bet.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I've had dealers say that's not a valid bet. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right, right. You actually have to. You say a number, not same bet. Same yeah. as what? Same yeah. as you had in your dream last night. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I you always
0: th- see this, and and don't get me wrong. Like, uh, I always joke on my stream. that Sometimes I do stuff like this, and I call it the patented Danny knows worthy min bet because he would do this sometimes against people who he knew would play back against him in spots like this. Um, so I do it sometimes, but I like I said earlier, every time I see it, I just think it's. I just think it's BS every time.
1: <laughs> right, but if he knows anything about you, which I don't know how long you guys have been at this table and how much attention he's paying you if it's been a while, but if he knows anything about you, it's it's your reputation, fair or not, is that you're not the the most aggressive guy that's just going to pounce because somebody bet the same on two streets, right? right.
0: You're right. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and I'm running like I wouldn't call them more aggressive numbers. I mean they're pretty normal. I'm running 22, 14, 4 at this table. So, um, so I, yeah, yeah he he probably sees me as, you know, tag.
1: I guess is that the, are we still using that terminology? Yeah, we could say tag. I mean, 22 is actually, you know, leaning towards loose. Actually, True. yeah, it's within like the professional range. Do you have stats on how long you've been playing with this fellow?
0: Let me see. I do. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't have much of a read on me, and I don't have much of a read on him, because he's only been at the table for four hands.
1: Okay. So, yeah, he's not trying to exploit you. Yeah. Like, oh, if I bet five, I know this Killingberg guy is definitely going to put in a raise, and I'll have him right where I want him, right? Right, right. That's not happening here. Not after four hands.
0: Yeah, and especially if – even if he knows me from away from the tables – He's still just going to think I'm a knit because that's what it, I tell everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. like I said, that's your reputation, fair or not. And I'm happy to promote that for you so you can <laughs> get away with a few things once yeah. in a while. <laughs> so, all right. So he puts in 5K again. My best guess, and this is just a guess, would be that he's got marginal value. And he doesn't want to check because his hand's a little too good to check. But he doesn't want... To uh, bet too much in case something goes wrong for him. So yeah, I think like a pair of fives. I mean, we block that, but that's a pretty reasonable guess. Maybe he's got like ace tray offsuit or something. Mm, yeah. Right. So he made bottom pair on the flop, and now he's got you know a third pair on the turn. So he wants to bet it again, and also like a little protection in case you have just a bare heart and he doesn't have one. Like it feels like around that strength. Now, if he's a great player, like if you know Olivier Bousquet does this to me, I'm not going to read anything into it. I'm just be like, oh well, he's balancing everything, and he's a computer, and he's a robot, and I'm not going to try to figure <laughs> yeah. him out, right?
0: Right. Yeah, he could have the nuts, or he could have. Well, I was going to say a worse hand than us, but we have the worst hand, so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have the nut low at the moment, yes.
0: So yeah, yeah. I I kind of. I thought the same thing that you thought, like I think it's it's some sort of like weak value uh, same thing he's good, good enough to bet a little bit but not enough to to go crazy with, basically.
1: yeah, and a little too strong to check. yeah, he doesn't want to check and give you a free card or whatever. yeah.
0: so in my infinite wisdom, <laughs> I saw i I see this as a weak bet. I decide to raise but not shove. Uh, so I make it 17.5K, leaving myself 55K behind. Um, which uh, I intentionally—it's not a huge three bet, but I intentionally went slightly bigger to make it a very reasonable uh, shove on the on the turn. Because I think we can shove so many turns successfully.
1: Yeah, I mean this is a pretty small raise, honestly. I mean it's three—it's a—it's 3.5 times the bet.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I guess it's like I don't know. I, I remember when people were like clicking it back. <laughs> that was the rage. So to me, 3.5x the bet seems big, but relative to the pot, it's actually quite small.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's 3.5x the bet, which would be great if if somebody bets, you know, half the pot or something. That's pretty standard. But yeah, I mean, your raise is still only half the pot. Yeah. All right, but, you know, this is pretty creative. I mean, what's the game plan? Are we just shoving every river?
0: I kind of feel like we almost have to. Um, we've kind of decided that he doesn't have a flush. So if another heart comes, it's a great card for us. Um, we block a lot of straight draws, which might actually be bad for us now that I think about it, because <laughs> that means he doesn't have four or five as often. Um but, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think of a river that I wouldn't shove. I mean, I guess just, like, an ace. <laughs> or maybe, I don't know, a face card. But I, I think I almost feel like we still have to. I mean, we've committed a lot of our chips at this point. Uh, it sucks to
1: bubble. Yeah, it does suck to bubble. But, you know, bubbling a $15, $16 tournament is a lot easier to handle than, like, bubbling the main event or something.
0: If, if my read is that this is just these bets are just weak, super weak, or certainly not big enough to call a nearly pot-sized shove. You know, if we think it's stuff like Ace-3 or Ace... He might call Ace-7. Um, but hands like that. Uh, but I think we kind of, When we make this raise, I kind of feel like we have to jam a lot.
1: Uh, I'm not... There's one thing you said that I'm not sure I can agree with. I'm not sure we love it when a heart hits the river because when he calls the check raise... Some of his range is gonna be something with some kind of heart, right? Yeah, it's that's true. To call when he has a heart. I mean, this small raise might get called a little more often than a bigger raise would. Like if you just check shove the turn. I don't know if check raising now is better than check shoving now, if the plan is to stick it all in on the river. I mean obviously the advantage of doing this is you win that extra 12 5 when he has no choice but to fold so he calls your raise here and then he has to call it but then he has no choice to fold on on the on a lot of rivers mm-hmm. so you do win that extra money so i guess that's the argument for for check raising small here
0: like let's say he has something i mean we didn't really mention these hands in his potential range but let's say he has something like 6 7 with the 6 of hearts do we think he calls when the river comes a queen of hearts and we jam?
1: I do. In a $15 <laughs> ACR <laughs> tournament. I mean, he I he will
0: some... be getting a decent-ish price. That's
1: true. Yeah, it's not such a bad price. I mean, by the time he calls, there's going to be, what, like 62 in there? And you only have, what, another 50 behind? Yeah, 55
0: Okay, well, it's not a
1: great price.
0: Yeah, it's really only, I mean,
1: it's... Close to two to one. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he should call with with just the six of hearts, <laughs> but uh, I think that he would. But he wouldn't now. So I like this play right. because it's a little greedier. It's actually a little greedier. If the plan all along is to shove, shoving on the turn is going to work a lot more often, or maybe not a lot more often, but certainly more often. Then this little raise and then shoving the river.
0: Yeah, maybe, hmm. maybe the trick here would have been to bet an amount that gets him to call with a heart, but gives him the wrong price to call with a heart, <laughs> and then shove all non-heart rivers.
1: I don't know if we can find that price, though, because, yeah, I mean, any raise you make on the turn that's going to price him out of drawing to his flush... Is might, going might to set up bent. a pretty yeah it's just <laughs> going to set up a bad it's going to set up too good of a price on the river mm. because we're just running out of chips
0: right yeah maybe just maybe if we're gonna make this move maybe we should just be jamming
1: yeah but I don't hate it because you do win the extra twelve five those times that he calls this and folds on the end true so there's a, there is a case to be made for for doing this cute little irresistible small check raise i mean the price he's getting on that check raise is like what is that it's another it's like 50,000 in there it's only costing him 12 to call yeah
0: yeah he's getting a very yeah we probably i wonder if i, I sh- maybe just should have made this slightly bigger
1: yeah it's hard to tinker with those numbers because the bigger you make this bet the smaller your yeah. river bet's going to be and the better price you will be getting then that's true so it's just hard to play this size stack. You start this hand with 22 big blinds or something. It's <laughs> Where, just... Where's P.O. when we need it? Yeah, I hate this kind of stack <laughs> size. But, you know, I mean, it's adventurous. If nothing else, let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, so he calls. Uh, so now, sixty, basically 62K in the middle. Uh, we have 55K behind, and we get the nine of spades on the mm-hmm. river. And I remember thinking, hmm. Is that a good card for me or a bad card for me? Because it was kind of the one I didn't anticipate. I was thinking about what what, what do we do when a heart comes. Uh, I didn't really think about what we do when top pair on the board pairs. Um, so I don't know if you have thoughts on whether that's better for us than him. I kind of don't put him on a nine, because I feel like he would have bet that more aggressively to protect against the flush draw. So I, my I instinct is that it's a good card for us. Um, yeah I
1: agree I agree I I think we have a lot more trip nines than he does but the problem is it's a bad it's a good card for us in that it's better for our range because we will have more nines but it's it's a bad card for us because it's way easier for him now to call with a seven or a tray or a Mm -hmm. deuce yeah the other cards that are out there because just combinatorics it's Less like, although we'll have more nines than he will, neither one of us will have three nines very often. Right.
0: Yeah. In fact, it even makes it easier. We had talked about maybe like fives or something. It even makes it possible to call with those hands.
1: Yeah. I think when he has a pair, he's probably going to call with any pair at least some of the time. But that's not a reason not to continue. I don't know. I mean, having set this up the way you did. And what we said before, we knew it was the nine, or at least before I did, was that we're basically shoving every river. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, I um, I don't make these kind of moves very often. But when I do decide <laughs> to make a move, and, and I go, I set up a plan. I, I'm pretty good about following through on it. So, uh, we decide
1: to go ahead and jam in our 55k. I would uh, like it a lot better if we had him covered on the bubble. This is the kind of stuff I do. On bubbles, when I have all the chips, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, does anybody want to bust right now, right before the money?
0: Right. Yeah, especially somebody, you know, he started with, a, you know, a pretty workable stack. So for us to put it, that kind of pressure on him on the bubble is, is obviously advantageous to us. Um, but we do, you know, we we really hurt his stack if he if he loses this pot. So.
1: Oh yeah, he'll be he'll be in bad shape if he loses this hand. He's going to have, like, 30K, which is six big blinds. Yeah,
0: so uh, you know, we're still putting a lot of pressure on, just not as much as we'd probably like.
1: Right. Okay, well, I think, I, you know, I, this turn play, I, I'm really interested to hear what our listeners think about this little check raise you did on the turn. I do like that it sets up basically almost a pot-sized shove on the end, which is just so hard for him to call. Mm-hmm. Um I want to hear what people think about that. Is 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 KB better off check shoving the turn than making the smaller check raise on the turn and shoving the river? That'll be the question of the week. I want to hear what you guys think. Yeah, I, I'd um, love
0: to hear what people say.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I don't love this card as a bluffing candidate, but it it's not a terrible card because like you said, I don't think that he has many nines. Mm-hmm. So, alright, yeah. what happened?
0: Uh, villain folded, and uh, we added a nice little uh, number to our stack. We were no longer nice. uh, we were no longer in jeopardy. <laughs> so and you're no
1: longer yeah. a nit either, apparently. <laughs> I know. That's why I chose
0: this hand so I can advertise to people. I'm not always a nit. <laughs> Although maybe it's better than I think
1: I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're gonna pull this kind of stuff, you want them to think you're the nittiest nit ever. Yeah.
0: And now on America's Card Room, you can show your cards. So I don't recall if I showed. I don't think I did, but it would have been a fun one to show him the five high.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like that feature. Have you been using it much? Do you show your cards? So
0: I actually use it quite often, but not, not because I want to show my opponent, but because I usually play with no delay. And so my cards are covered, so my viewers can't see them. So it's basically an easy way for me to tell people what I had without actually having to say it every time. So I just show my cards and they pop up above my card cover where they can see them. So I've actually been using it a lot. So if I've showed any of you guys uh, a bluff, I wasn't doing it to be mean to you. I promise. I was just doing it so my viewers could see what my hand was.
1: Wow, Derek. Now not only are you no longer a knit, you're actually the type of guy that likes to needle people. Wow. <laughs>
0: and I'm really I'm, changed. And I'm letting everybody see my hands so they know exactly how I play. <laughs>
1: You're your Twitch streaming with no delay. Yeah. yeah but so you I, keep your cards covered up with your with your platform, the way you set it up. Yeah,
0: and I don't think that would work for a lot of people, like people who talk a lot of strategy on their streams. Um, I just tend to not talk that much strategy, so it's not as important to, for people to know what I have. I, I'm usually pretty good about telling people after. Like as soon as the yeah. hand's over, I'll be like, oh, you know, we flopped the dust there or whatever, uh, if it's anything interesting. But, uh, yeah, I find it's I find the no-delay is better for an entertainment stream, but delayed with your cards shown is better for an educational stream. So if I ever decide to actually start teaching people anything, <laughs> I'll, I'll go to a delay.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? You teach us about
0: beer, and we love it. That's true. <laughs> it's my one gift to the poker community.
1: Yeah. So are you still doing every Tuesday, the home game?
0: Yeah, still doing every Tuesday. Um, I've been on a little bit of a... I don't want to say a hiatus, but August was by far the fewest hours of poker I've played in probably two years, uh, just because of life stuff. I did a bunch of traveling at the beginning of the month, uh, and then had a lot of stuff going on with the distillery, sort of in the middle and end of the month. But uh, I should be back to uh, a pretty regular schedule in, in September, um, other than the very end where I'm traveling again. But for the next three weeks or so, I should be should be playing pretty regularly, including every Tuesday.
1: Cool. Well, assuming you make it to Vegas, we have to schedule uh, a TPE meetup.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, That's the, I, I was thinking about that the other day. That's the thing I missed the most. It was the first year in 10 years, I guess, that we did not have a TPE meetup. Uh, I mean, who needs a World Series of Poker, but I can't go without a TPE meetup.
1: I mean we need to hang. That's it. We need that live hang. Yep. It's so important. So yeah, hopefully
0: uh hopefully we'll be back. Uh hopefully PT's pub is still open. Hopefully they survived COVID.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they're going strong. I saw the I didn't go in but I saw the place uh you know alive and kicking. Nice. Uh last last month when I was there. So they're all over town. There's a bunch of PT's pubs. So yeah, they're they're doing fine, believe me.
0: Good, good. Yeah, they're like their own virus. They'll they'll never go away. <laughs> they just keep mutating. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so what's happening with uh with the website? Tell us what's new on Tournament Poker Edge.
0: Yeah, so we got some good stuff. There's a, a new series going from Colin Moshman. Um, of course, he's he l- literally wrote the book on sit and goes, uh, and he's got he a series going on live sit and goes. So for those of you who grind those. Um, especially if you're going to be playing them out at the World Series this summer, or, sa- you know, Sit-and-Go Satellites or whatever, I would I would check that out. Sit-and-Go Satellites are a bit different animal, but you get the idea. Um, and there is also a, a new Theory series uh, from Brokos running, and, of course, we all love Brokos, so, um, yeah, encourage everybody to check that out. We also just started up a, a Live Sweat. There's been a lot of Theory videos or hand history reviews lately on TP, but some people love the Live Sweats, Um, So Arvis uh, did a six-table live sweat, which just started uh, today, I believe. So for the people who love the live stuff, um, check that series out.
1: Derek, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one who has this question. Who is Arvis?
0: (laughs) Oh, Arvis is – I I think he's Silent Murph on PokerStars. He has a bunch of different names on different sites. Um, But, yeah, he's really good, uh, crushes a lot of stuff on PokerStars, and um, he's – he does tend to do more of like the hand history reviews or live sweat type videos, but he's a really, really good coach. So for people who have not checked him out, if he's, if he's not in your arsenal of TPE coaches, uh, I definitely encourage you to to check him out.
1: Well, I'm definitely going to add him to my arsenal. I mean, I love Colin. I read both of Colin's books. He wrote the book on sit and goes. He also wrote a really good book on heads up theory, which I found extremely helpful. Um, and, of course, you know, I never miss anything that Andrew Brokis puts out. I'm the biggest fanboy of his. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit it to anyone, but I'm definitely going to have to check out Arvis. And you guys can watch all these videos and like go back and watch stuff that we've made over the many, many years, the over over 11 years now that TPE has been uh, in existence and going strong. And, and you can find all of our videos on tpe.com where you can actually get $10 off of your first month's membership, just by using the promo code, Podcast. Derek, do they have to do it in all caps, or can it be any caps?
0: Uh, I believe it can be in any lower or uppercase. But if they want to <laughs> be, and it'll tell them if it doesn't work. So if they type it, if they type it lowercase and it says not valid, just put it in all uppercase, and then you'll be able okay.
1: To do so. Every week yeah. I tell them about the promo code and I say, I don't know if you have to do all caps or not. So now they, <laughs> Derek doesn't know either. So we'll see.
0: <laughs> also, I wanted to mention, I um this will be a little nugget for the people who have managed to hold on all the way this far into the podcast. Um, yep. I came across a box of uh, TPE merchandise, which I thought was all in um my buddy Dylan's garage in Vegas from the last World Series of Poker. <laughs> so for anybody who's still listening to this, um, tweet out at uh, Tournament Poker Edge. Uh, you can use the hashtag TP Edge if you want as well. Uh, and just say that uh, you are listening to the latest episode of the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. You know, be funny, be creative, say something nice. Uh, and I'll pick a couple people to send some uh, hats and hoodies and stuff to because uh, they're taking up valuable space in my office now. So they need to find a home. So tweet at us and uh, tag Clayton and myself too if you want.
1: How cool is that? They can get some swag, they can get $10 off. We're just Uh, just giving
0: stuff away over here.
1: Yeah, this is amazing, and I really hope that uh, things work out. You know, who knows? Maybe a month from now, the infection rate will be the lowest it's been since the beginning of the pandemic, and we can all stop worrying about the variant and its variants. Exactly. So that's what I'm hoping for. Is it okay to be a little optimistic once in a while? Is that all right?
0: Hey, I'll happily use my one time for that. (laughs) Me
1: too. (laughs) Hey, man, I know you got things to do. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, we always appreciate having you on the podcast.
0: I, I appreciate you, man. Always good to check in with the TPE Nation.
1: No doubt. So for Derek Killingbird, Tenbush, and for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I to hold them like they do in Texas please. Hold them, let them hit me. Start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that.